Good morning. Hey, some things in life, uh, just you just can't seem to shake them, right? They just keep coming back and keep coming back. Man, Carolina, uh, when before she moved into my house, she had an apartment, and there was this cat that used to come over to her house, and he would come inside, and he would sleep for like a couple hours, and then he'd go out and play, and then he'd come in, he'd sleep overnight. She nicknamed him Sleepy because of this. And this cat, you know what happened? She, what happened is he came to the door one day and she fed him, right? You guys know what happens. You feed a cat, he comes back. The next day, he came back. This cat, every day, would keep coming back. You just couldn't shake him, couldn't get rid of him. And just like that, there are things in life we just can't get rid of. You know, problems are kind of like that, right? Problems, they just seem, seem, always seem to be there. There always seems to be one just around the corner. We all experience tribulation in life. It seems that they come as sure as the rain. You know, today may be great, but wait a day or two, and there's one that's just sure to be there. Issues come up in all areas of life, in our relationships, in financial, job, career, home, cars, health, emotional, family. For as many areas there are in life, there's as many problems. Listen, just yesterday I got up in the morning, and I wanted to send an email. I had to send an email. And I'm up early and I'm checking my internet that was working fine the night before I went to bed. And I I can't get this thing to work. And I'm like, I I was doing the Wi-Fi thing. And then I'm like, okay, leave the laptop. I'll go to the computer that's plugged in, hardwire. Still nothing's happening. So Carol's like, shut it off, turn it on, turn it on, shut it off. I'm like, I did that. It's not working. Nothing was working. So we're like, all right, well, we are going to go to breakfast. Let's just go to breakfast. McDonald's down the street's got Wi-Fi. Let's just go there. So... I go, okay, let's go. We go to get breakfast, and we get some food, and I'm sitting there, and I, and I get on the internet thing, and I put my credit card information in there, and then that little thing's going like this, you know? For you guys, it goes like that, right? It's just going around and around. You're waiting for it to show up, and nothing happens. We're waiting there like 10 minutes. I'm like, honey, it's not going to work. Let's just, let's go. She's like, hey, down the street a little bit farther, there's a Wendy's, and Wendy's got free Wi-Fi. Let's go there. So we go over to Wendy's. Uh, you know, we get some more food. You know, I'm getting fat here. I'm sitting down and I'm like, nothing's happening. It's not coming up. And we asked the lady behind the counter. She said, well, if you sit in that little corner over there, usually that's where everybody sits to receive it. So I go over to the little corner and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and nothing. The signal won't come up. And then one time it almost came up and then nothing. I'm like, oh, gosh. So I had to drive from Miramar all the way to our offices in Miami Lakes so I could send an email. It took me two hours to send one email. You know, what, that, where does this stuff happen like this? Where does it come from? You know, gosh, seriously, where does this stuff come from? We all have tribulations. And I guess you guys pretty much run to, run to the same thing. That's my guess. Where does this stuff happen? Man, there are weeks I wake up and I just think, is that saying I woke up on the wrong side of the bed really true? Because if it is, I'm going to switch places with my wife. I'm going to get on the other side. This is a bad week. You know, sometimes... I think that there's somebody out there just trying to get me because there's always problems in my life. Sometimes I think, well, I kind of can see where that came from. Maybe I could have done this better. And then there are other times I just have no clue. How did this even happen in my life? You know, why did this happen? Listen, not only do I want to know where tribulation comes from, I want to know how I can avoid it. Don't you? Well, today I'm going to share about the source of tribulation in our life and how we can avoid it. Listen, we're in a perfect area of the Bible right now because this is where the greatest tribulations are happening of all. We're in Revelation chapter 15. We're in a series called It's the End of the World as We Know It. It's an in-depth study of the book of Revelation. And we've been going book by book by book. 
Now, you guys have seen in movies and you read in books about what the end of the world might be like, right? We see all these movies that are coming out and it's like really horrible. All this bad stuff is happening. All this stuff that they're getting, these ideas, they come from the Bible. They come from the book of Revelation. Listen, your worst day is nothing like the worst day in Revelation. Man, we've already seen some crazy things happen. We see like these cataclysmic events, planetary disasters. We see supernatural events going on. But right now, in this area of the scriptures that we're at, this is the very, very, very worst that we're going to see. Let's check it out. Revelation chapter 15, it says this. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven plagues, For in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, or over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For you, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came seven angels having the seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels was completed. As usual in the book of Revelation, we first see this heavenly scene before these events take place on the earth. We see these seven angels standing there with these bowls, and these bowls contain the final judgments that are going to come upon the earth. The wrath of God, the heaviness, this is the worst of all. This is the biggest. And when we look in this heavenly scene, we see some clues to where tribulation comes from in our lives. Listen, if you haven't pulled out your outlines yet, why don't you pull them out right now? Because we're going to talk about four sources of tribulation, and I'd like you to take note. Listen, number one, tribulation comes in our lives from number one, Satan. Satan. Look at right here in verse 2, he's talking about this massive group of people in heaven. They have harps and they're singing to God. They're singing this thing called the Song of Moses. And it tells us that they have had the victory over the beast. You might think if they had the victory over the beast that they, beast, that they won a lot, right? That's just a great way of saying they died because they wouldn't worship Satan. Talk about tribulation. Their tribulation was coming from Satan. They were having the... As a matter of fact, at that time, this is the biggest amount of satanic resistance will come in this time period. Like no other time in the whole planet of the earth, Satan will have the most amount of influence, the most amount of power working in this world at this very juncture. And people are experiencing it like crazy, but we also experience it today. You see, Satan and his demons have power in the spiritual realm that we don't fully comprehend, do we? Listen to this verse. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Listen, Satan and the demons, they're fallen angels, all of them. That's what they are. One angel in the Old Testament, just one, 
Wiped out 185,000 soldiers in one night. Man, if I tried doing that with like a sword, that would take me, I mean, I'd be exhausted, you know? You can't do that. That's how powerful they are. We don't understand the power that they have. It says that they're able to transform themselves, Satan, into into an angel of light. So he also looks different. And the Bible also tells us that demons can somehow possess people. Man, I don't really know how all that stuff works, to be honest. I've read it in the Bible. I've heard stories that I believe are true of people who have been possessed even to today. But listen, when I say that, you're saying, well, can they possess a human, you know, a Christian, excuse me? And the answer to that is no. And you're saying, well, you've never seen my sister in the morning, right? Let me tell you, I grew up with a cousin, (laughs) and when she woke up, I mean, you have to go in there and you like have to poke her with a stick because if your arm touched her, you might lose it, you know? That's how bad it was in the morning. But listen, I'm not talking about bad attitudes. I'm talking about actual possession. You see, when you become a Christian, God says he puts the Holy Spirit inside of you. If the Holy Spirit is inside of you, Satan and demons cannot possess what God already owns. As a Christian, you can't be possessed by the devil. Listen, the Bible tells us this, though, that Satan does deceive, he blinds, he binds, he afflicts, he hinders, he tempts, and he prompts. We experience spiritual resistance in this world. Sometimes his attacks are actually physical. I don't know if you guys remember the story of the Easter squirrel, but two years ago, Easter, two Easter's ago, we were meeting, somebody laughed over here, we were meeting at Cobb Theater. And just so you guys know, Easter is the biggest day for churches, at least here, mostly in the country, but at least in South Florida, bigger than Christmas and everything. We had a thousand people in attendance that day. And what happens is we prepared all this stuff because we know all these people are coming. We're all ready. Everything's going. We're set up. We're ready to go. And all of a sudden, everything goes down to like half power. Like, what's going on? You know, we're looking all over the place. We go outside. There's a dead squirrel on the, on the ground. He had crossed one of the phases. Two, one out of three phases blew. So now there's only two. We lost power. Air conditioning gone. People are in there sweating to death on Easter. You know, we're like, this is the biggest day. You know, Satan is trying to attack. He doesn't want these things to happen. Ironically, if you were here last, this last Easter, the same thing happened. The only time we haven't had air conditioning in this school was on Easter Day. I believe Satan attacks when he doesn't want things, godly things, to happen in this world. And we can feel the physical uh, effects of that. But listen, Satan is also an expert in temptation. You know, guys, you get on the phone, you're talking with your wife, you get in an argument, right? The minute you hang up, what happens? A beautiful woman asks you for help, right? Isn't that right? You're trying to quit drinking and you suddenly win a year supply of Budweiser. It's like, come on, all my life, I never want anything. Listen, I don't believe Satan puts thoughts in our head, but I do believe he offers opportunity. That's what he did to Jesus when he was 40 days and nights in the wilderness. At his weakest point, he comes to him and says, listen, this is what I want to give you, food. You want it? (laughs) You bet I want it. You know, do you want power? Do you want prestige? He's like, look, I'm going to give you all these things. He presents opportunity. You see, he plays upon the things we already want and where we're the most susceptible you see, Satan is going to work on you when you are the weakest. Well, if it's not Satan, number two, it's a fallen world. A fallen world is where tribulation comes from. And what does that mean, a fallen world? This is not how God created this world. In fact, his intent was the Garden of Eden. 
It was this perfect paradise for man. A harmony between nature and man. Listen to this article that I saw today. Actually, Abe gave it to me. We pointed it out. There was this article I read in the paper on Friday this happened. This woman, Chinese woman, Yang Young, was taking part in a free diving contest while without breathing equipment among the whales in a tank of water more than 20 feet deep and chilled to Arctic temperatures. She says that when she tried to return to the surface, she found her legs crippled by cramp and freezing cold. At that point, Mila, the beluga whale, took her hand, or rather flipper. I got a picture of this. There it is. When sudden, uh, we suddenly saw the girl being pushed to the top of the pool with her leg in Mila's mouth, said the official. Yang Yong, the woman who it happened to, says, I began to choke and sank even lower, and I thought that was it for me. I was dead until I felt this incredible force under me driving me to the surface. This is how God intended nature to be, that the animals wouldn't be wanting to eat us, but that the animals would be helping us when we needed them. Here's this girl, and this animal recognizes it, and he says, man, I'm going to help her out. She needs help. And he takes her, and instead of biting that leg, he gently brings her to the surface and saves her life. That's what God had intended. But Adam and Eve, man, they brought sin into paradise when they sinned. And there was a consequence. The earth was cursed. And God closed off, gratefully, he did this merciful thing. He closed off access to the tree of life because he didn't want us to live forever in this fallen state. But there are still effects that we feel today that echo back to that time in the Garden of Eden. There are harmful effects from a degenerating world. This world just keeps going from bad, from perfect to worse, to worse, to worse, from good to bad. Natural diseases we see, we see, or disasters, we see climate changes. Each person is less than what God had created. We're losing genetic information slowly as we progress. We ingest carcinogens and hormones from man-made food additives. There are health issues due to toxic effects from this world that we live in. You know, a lot of the defects that we see and birth defects and things like that are caused because of that. Because this world has fallen and all these effects of sin. And if it's not like from the world, it's also from the effect of fallen man upon others. You see, God gives each one of us the right to choose, to make our own choice. And if he takes that away, then it's not choice anymore. You know, the addict, when he goes home, he's not just affecting himself, but his sin is affecting his family, his work, his friends, other people. You see, we see the effects of war between nations, of man's sin, fighting, envy, strife, greed, yelling at others. The Bible tells us that men like their sinful deeds. Listen to this. And this is the condition that the light has come, this is the condemnation, excuse me, that the light has come into the world, And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Because of this fallen world, we experience so much tribulation. But number three, this one might surprise you, that fill-in is God. God. Tribulation comes from God. Look, we can experience that in two different forms. One, depending on your relationship, it could be for correction or it could be wrath that you're going to feel. Listen, if you are have a relationship with God, it says that God corrects those He loves. Listen to what the Bible says. The Lord disciplines those He loves. He punishes everyone He accepts as a son. Just like a father would say, listen, you're going the wrong direction here. Let me just give you a little bit of correction to help you back. And so sometimes we experience that. And it leads to our own benefit. In Hebrews, it actually says that chastisement will give us righteousness and peace. This correction that God is doing is that so we will have peace in our lives. But listen, 
Sometimes it's the wrath of God that we feel. Listen, the God's wrath is reserved for those who don't want anything to do with him. The Bible puts it like this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. God's wrath is reserved for judgment on those sins for people who don't want to turn to him. That's what his wrath is for. Listen, he's done this before in the past. Maybe you've heard of Noah's flood, or God's wrath is poured out on the earth, or Sodom and Gomorrah. These people who don't want to turn to God. And so he says that he's going to pour out his wrath. This time period, what we're reading in right now, the seven-year period of tribulation, it is known throughout the Bible as the day of the Lord's wrath. You see, it's God's judgment on mankind for his sins. And all these things that are happening are from God. You see, we see these seven angels standing by, holding these bowls, ready to pour out God's wrath. And the time that we're in right now is an incredible time of tribulation on the earth. And it's coming from one person. It's not the devil. It's God. But number four is my own sin. The truth is many times it's my own sin that causes problems in my life. It comes from our own decisions. I know for me specifically that this area is the biggest area of tribulation that I experience repercussions from because of the sins that I've committed. The Bible puts it very, very bluntly. Listen to this. Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. It's your sins. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord, your God, and have no awe of me, declares the Lord, the God Almighty. Listen, a, a couple years ago, Carolina gave me a grill uh, for Christmas, right? And it came with some assembly required, right? So she, she brings it over to my house one day, and she had given it to me the day before, or, or two days before, or something like that. She brings it over to the house, and she's like, okay, assemble it. But you know, you ever one of those days when you're not getting along? With somebody, right? We had this little argument, so I'm like, all right, I'll put the thing together, you know? And I'm like, she's like, here, why don't you give the, here, let me give you the instructions, you know, so you can put that thing. I don't need no instructions, just give me that, give me a screwdriver too, you know, and I'll put this thing together. So I started putting this thing together, man. You ever seen these things? They're like, right? Nobody wants to follow those anyway. We all know what's better. I can put this thing together. So I, I start putting the thing together, I'm assembling it, and I'm getting like three quarters of the way through, and I'm like, this piece won't go in. What? It's supposed to go right here, you know. Before I like break something, I'm like, and Carol's been sitting there kind of like, you know, you want this now? You know, you want this? And I'm like, just give me those. So, <laughs> so I start looking in here, you know, it's like, was I about to go start praying, you know? Oh, oh, almighty writer of these assembly instructions, why are you bringing this upon me? You know, it's like, no, it doesn't make sense. Of course I'm experiencing problems. I didn't do it by the directions. I didn't do it by the manual. If I had followed the manual, then I wouldn't be bringing all these problems onto me. You know, it's the same way. This is God's own manual for life. Just like these instructions, he's telling us how that we can build our lives without problems so that it comes out right and it comes out perfect. Right? But instead of sometimes saying, oh God, you know, maybe I should just look and see how, my how I should do my life. Instead, we're complaining to God because we say, God... Why didn't it work out? God, why didn't it work out? And he's sitting there all the time. You could have opened the instruction manual and, and found out. 
I went, uh, I went up to Massachusetts recently and I visited my friend. He was there. He and his wife, and he's, he's like kind of a politician. He's, he's running for office, and so he's saying how he goes to church every weekend. And uh, his wife goes, yeah, but you're only going because you're trying to like shake hands and meet people and get, you know, get votes and whatever. And I said, and he's like, no, I'm going because I really think I need to go to church, and our kids should go too. And she goes, I don't think our kids should go. I think we shouldn't force our kids to go to church. And I'm like, what? You know, pastor and me, like kind of, hello. And I said, uh, <laughs> I said, really? You don't think you should go to church? I said, would you take a six-year-old or your eight-year-old and not bring them to school? What do you mean? Well, I would think you'd want to give them the best start in life they could possibly get and have them learn about it, right? Why wouldn't you want them to learn about God? Yeah, they're going to find their own way. They're going to find some other way. The thing is, the Bible tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and then when he's older, he won't depart from it. Continually, the Bible tells us throughout the Old Testament, teach them these things, teach them my, the commandments, teach them the stories of God, let them know. It's like we're supposed to do that, and when we don't, we're sinning. We're saying, no, 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 I'm just going to let them, that's, I just think they should do it on their own and just figure it out. That's crazy. And here's what happens, the person who does that, and they don't teach them in their own homes, not just in church, bringing them to church is good, but if you're not doing it in your own home, you're still doing the wrong thing. You should be reading the Bible with them or teaching them or praying or talking about God and especially living your life after God so that they look on and believe that God is real because they see it in you. But the person who doesn't do that, then their child gets to be the teenage years. You know the years, right? When they never want to listen to you, right? They get to that age and then they're like, listen, I'm going to go do my own thing. And they start doing, they're into promiscuity. That means sex before marriage, if you didn't know. I mean, they're into alcohol, drugs. They start, maybe they're stealing. They're doing all these things. You're like, oh God, why are these problems coming on me? Well, did you do the manual? Did you do it the way God said? Our own sins, our own mistakes are what coming back to us. Man, we do it in so many ways. Is there an area with God right now where maybe you're not doing it the right way? And you say, man, I know what the real thing to do is, and I'm not doing it. Maybe it's in a relationship. You know what God says? And you're like, maybe it's some kind of business practice, something that you're doing that's just really not on the up and up, or some kind of other habits that you just like, I know God says no, but can I just kindly say something to you? When you're doing that and staying in there, you're asking for trouble. We just read it. You're asking for it to come into your life. You're like setting the table, you know, putting out the candles. Come on in. Let's have dinner. We just come on in. We sometimes think our path is better than this, but it's not. Listen to what the Bible says. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Listen, the truth is, of all these four, probably the biggest one that brings tribulation into our lives is our own sin. Listen, I gave you four of them. The first two, this is a little sentence in there I want you to fill out. The first two are unavoidable without God's protection. The last two are avoidable with God's direction. Listen, tribulation from Satan, you don't really have a lot of control over him. It's going to come into your life. Tribulation from the world, you don't have a lot of control over that. And that's going to come into your life too. But I do believe that even in those areas, and especially the other two, we can reduce the amount of tribulation that comes into your life. And I want to tell you how. Number one, pray. Pray. Listen, 
You're dealing with spiritual forces outside the physical realm that normal weapons cannot defend against. Man, if I knew which way Satan was coming, boom, I'd put up the shield, right? But I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. We need to pray. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray. Lord, teach me how to pray. And we, get, we know this one. He, he gave us kind of an outline. We call it the Our Father. Many of us have prayed it throughout our lives. I've prayed it many times. And within that prayer, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I heard you guys saying it. We know it. God says, listen, pray that you would be delivered from these spiritual things that might come upon you. Your biggest defense against Satan is prayer. To pray. Listen, it's sad that Peter didn't understand this a little bit better. The night before Jesus was going to be betrayed, he starts talking to Peter and he says, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He wants to like do a number on you and see what you're really made of. And so like what happens is Peter doesn't do anything. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to pray for you. And the night before he goes to the cross, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying, and he goes, guys, keep watch and pray, will you? And he comes over about an hour later, and they're all asleep. He's like, hey, wake up, will you? And he says this to Peter. Be, uh, he says, Peter, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Maybe if Peter had prayed, he'd have been a little bit better defended against the temptation that Satan was going to bring, that he might not refuse to know who Jesus was. Listen to this. The Bible says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, I don't think we should think that there's a demon behind every bush and every shrub, you know, just waiting to get us. But we shouldn't discount the power of Satan in this world. Listen, you're still going to experience some spiritual opposition, just like the Easter squirrel. But listen, God implies that we can reduce the amount of that happening through prayer. Number two, make wise choices in life. You can't avoid, again, everything that's going to happen in life. You have no control over other people's decisions or some of the natural things that are going to be happening because of this fallen world. And not everything in life that we do is either good or bad, is it? But some things that we do are better for us. They're better for us. And making wise decisions helps eliminate some of the troubles that come from this world. Well, I... Uh, when I was a teenager, I, used to live, I lived in Massachusetts, and my friend Rob was coming to Florida for a vacation. He'd come every year. And one day his parents said, hey, why don't you bring a friend of yours from high school? So he said, ask me to go. And I said, sure. So we were down here. We were in Orlando, and then we were in Daytona. And one day when we were at Daytona in our hotel, we said, hey, let's go over to the store. Let's get some stuff to eat, hang out a little bit. So we leave the hotel, and then there's these two lit paths that go this way over to where the, the, the store is. But we could actually see the store through this dark alley, right, among these buildings. And I'm like, walk out there, and I'm like, Rob, let's go down this path of light, okay? And he's like, no, 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 let's John, I can see it. Let's just walk over there. Why do you want to walk all over there? You know, and he's like, I'm like, all right, let's go down the alley. So we start walking down the alley. We're walking around there, you know, two skinny white boys in the middle of South Florida. And we're walking, and this whole gang... I've got kids show up. I mean, there was like 20, 25 of them, right? And I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea, I'm thinking. And we're walking, and Rob is closest to him. And as we get close to one of them on the edge, he looks up at Rob, and he goes, whap, right across his face. He didn't even see it coming. I mean, Rob was just like, and I was like, dang, I think that hurt. You know, but, man, I looked around, and we're like, Rob was about ready to, you know, do something. Because you get slapped, you want to do something back, right? And, uh, but we looked around, and I'm thinking, we're going to get killed. We looked at each other, and we said, 
shut up and just kept walking. <laughs> Listen, what was the wise thing to do? Not go down a dark alley that you don't know anything about or a neighborhood you know nothing about. Like That was the, not a very wise decision on our part. And the better thing for us would have been to walk around. You see, there are decisions that we can make in life, if they're wise, are going to help us avoid tribulation like that. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if your spouse is a little bit wiser than you and you know that, you should start listening to them. Listen, if you feel like you don't know how to make wise decisions, I want to give you two ways that you can. Number one, read the book of Proverbs over and over and over again. It's all about wisdom. It's all about how to gain wisdom and not be a fool. Listen, I want to give you a sneak preview. Coming up in September, we're going to start a brand new series on the book of Proverbs where we're going to go in depth and we're going to learn about wisdom. But you guys can start right now, get a jump on it. You can come in here and like, hey, I already know all that stuff. So start reading the book of Proverbs. But number two, you can ask God for wisdom. Ask him. Solomon did. Listen to what the Bible tells us. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. God actually promises to make you wiser if you ask Him. So ask Him. So many things that the world throws at us can be avoided by making wise decisions. Listen, just ask somebody right now who's having their house foreclosed, and they might say to you, I could have made a wiser decision. Listen, number three, follow God's ways. And I think right there you should just put a star next to it. You should circle it. You should underline it. Because I'm telling you, this is the biggest area where you can be most effective in your life. Think about it. Conceivably, you could eliminate all of the problems that come from your own sin by doing it God's way, couldn't you? None of them. I could get rid of all those problems, those tribulations that I keep experiencing because of the backlash of my own sin. Just the natural effect. The Bible says, whatever you sow, you will reap. All we have to do is follow what God has said. Listen, the Bible says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. That's the memory verse this week. I encourage you to just memorize that one. That's pretty easy. Not just memorize it, though, but apply it in your life. Listen, God didn't make up this, a set of rules so that he could punish you and me. Instead, he said, look, this is how it's designed. And if you do it this way... When you're done, it's all going to come out right. I love you so much. I want to give you the rules so that I can, you can eliminate the tribulations that are going to come from your own problems. You can do it simply by following this book right here. Because God wants the best for you. He wants you to avoid those tribulations. Now, before I tell you the fourth point, on avoiding tribulations in your life, I want you to see something. So we're going to look back into the book of Revelation at chapter 16, where we're going to read. It says this, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. And every, every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who, was, and who is to be. 
because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent or give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. And the kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed God of heaven because their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouths of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For their spirits, excuse me, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am, be, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see their shame. And they gathered together, gathered them together in a place that is in Hebrew that is called Armageddon. You guys had enough? There's one more. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voice, noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and mountain was not found. <clears throat> great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. Man, I don't know about you. But that does not sound good. This point in the book of Revelation is the most tumultuous. This is where the tribulations are the greatest. This is it right here. Right here, right now. God is pouring out His wrath upon the earth. I want to kind of set this up for what God is doing here. There's a few things that He's accomplishing. Number one, he's, God is judging those who worship the beast. All these people that said, no, I don't want you, God. I want to worship Satan. All these people, I'm turning away from you. He breaks these sores, break out all over their bodies. This isn't something that's new. It's not something God just dreamed up. In fact, in the Old Testament, God said, listen, if you follow after other gods, if you go and do other things, if you don't listen to my law, then you are going to get these things. Listen, it says in Deuteronomy, the Lord will strike you in the knees and on the legs with severe boils which cannot be healed. And from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. Man, they're all over their bodies. Can you imagine that? They're like everything. Ugh, it's gross. I mean, you've been looking at people like, what is that falling off of you, man? And it's like, think about this for a minute, though. Any of those that didn't worship the beast, they don't have this. So they're like the hot people. They're the one everyone wants to date at that time because the other ones look sick. So I don't know. You might have a great shot at that time. But listen. He is pouring out his wrath upon those that worshipped someone else. He said, listen, I don't want you, God. But also, 
He's doing this. He's letting people experience what hell is like. God gives them this sample. Listen, the sun is scorching men, burning them. Man, have you guys ever had a bad sunburn before? I got one. I never had freckles before. Now I have freckles. I got it here in Florida. You know, I got this sunburn. And what it, you know, you know what can touch you, right? It's like, I, that hurts. You ever try to take a shower? It's like, oh, is it a drop of rain? You know, I just touch my back and it's like, that. you can't even take a shower. And someone wants to say, hey, buddy, like, no, don't, don't, don't touch it. It hurts so much. It's like the pain, but it's not on his back. It's all over their bodies and they've got sores and they got these, and there's so much pain. Think about that for a minute. You can't even hug somebody. It's going to be hard to have even human affection because you go to your wife like, hey, uh, 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 and then she's going to want to kiss you and you're like, you got a sore on your lip, forget that. You know, it's like, you're not going to have any love or affection. It's like this dark time where everybody, you're in pain. It hurts so badly. And the sun, it says the sun is darkened. There's no light. It's just dark out there. And there's so much pain. It says, listen, they nod their tongue. That's how much it hurts. I'm like chewing on my tongue. That's how painful it is. You know, that sounds very familiar to me. Extremely familiar. Have you ever heard descriptions of what hell is like? Listen to this. Listen to a few words from the Bible. Hell is described as a place of burning. A place of torment. Of outer darkness. Of weeping and gnashing your teeth. It's all happening here on earth. God says, listen, this is what hell is like. All of it. I'm pouring out all my wrath right now on this earth so you can see exactly what hell is like. I'm doing everything it's going to take for you to realize what your decision is going to be. What your, the consequences of your decision. And here's what happens. What do they do? They curse God. Can you believe that? I mean, it's not like they sit, they, no, there's still no God. No, they recognize God is there, but they're just saying, listen, I know you're here, God, but I don't want anything to do with you. Forget it. Nothing. God's showing them what hell is on earth. He's also preparing this way for this thing called Armageddon. You guys heard that word Armageddon. What does that mean, Armageddon? Because he's drying up through your, your Euphrates, this river, so that Two million people can come from China and just move into this area from Asia. Pull in two million into this area. Armageddon is simply a compound word. means is two Jewish words, Har and Megiddo, meaning mound in Megiddo. Megiddo is in Jerusalem. It's in this valley of Jezreel, it's called. And this mound called Megiddo is there. And this valley, you look out, it's like 20, it's 20 miles by 20 miles. In shape and size, it's beautiful, I've been there. Napoleon was there and he says, this is the greatest battlefield I've ever seen. All of these armies and stuff are piling into this place. And I don't know, I guess they're going to fight themselves, but here's the interesting thing. Jesus is going to come back right there. He's setting it up so all of them can come in here, right? They're all coming in. And then Jesus says, I'm going to come and return to the earth. You'd think Jesus is coming back, wow, I'm going to come and live on this earth. They're like, no. And instead of fighting each other, they just kind of turn all their weapons. All right, get out of here. Don't come down here. I don't want you. Get away. Get away. I don't want you, God. I don't care what hell is like. I still don't want you. I don't care if your son is coming to live on this earth and be with me. No, I don't want you. Go away. This point right here, there's two more chapters, but they're like interlude. 
Seriously, once this happens, they come into here, the next chapter, the next very thing, Jesus comes right back to earth, bam, right here, right at this point in time. And they're just going to turn him away. Another thing that God's doing, he's preparing this earth for the kingdom age, for the time where God will live on this earth. You see, what's happening is this earthquake happens, right? This earthquake, everything like, you ever see something shake like that? Things are shaking, near the mountains, he just levels them all. All these places that were once in, in, in Camden couldn't inhabit, couldn't live on them, are now going to be leveled. And he's making this earth a place where all of us can live. He's doing that just before this time period where we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And it's going to be like the Garden of Eden, the time when the lion will lie down with the lamb, right? A child can play in the den of snakes and not get bitten. He's going to return to what it was like in Eden, this perfect place, this perfect time for you and me. So that we could live there forever. And they're like going, no, don't come back. I don't want the beluga whale to raise me to the surface. I don't like that stuff. You know? I don't want to be friends with him. They're like, I don't want that. Go away. And God's like, listen, I'm preparing it. I'm getting it ready. Listen, continually throughout these chapters, they're proclaiming that God's judgments are just and true. They're right. Listen, they are just. They are true for the sins that we've committed. Listen, God says something very interesting in verse 17. I'm going to read it again. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple in heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. It's done. I'm just poured out all of my wrath right here and now. You get it all. You know, that verse sounds extremely familiar to me. There was this man who hung on a cross once. And before he gave up his soul, he said, it is finished. It was Jesus Christ. He hung on his cross and he said, you know what? It's finished. Not I'm finished. It's finished. God's judgment was poured out on this one man. On Jesus. All of it. For all the sins that we've ever done. For all the sins of mankind. For the whole world, the Bible tells us. It's all enough. was poured out on himself. God took the wrath for us because he loved us so much. He said, I don't want this over here to happen. I don't want the it's done over here. I want it, it is finished over here to be for you. And here's the thing. They're all coming. These angels, they come out of this tabernacle this in heaven. And the tabernacle, for you guys you don't know, was the place where the people of Israel would come. When they'd sinned, and they'd bring a sacrifice before the Lord, and the Lord would forgive them. And there they would find mercy. They would find grace. And this whole symbolism of the angels coming out of the tabernacle, and the tabernacle is closed. No one can go into it for this time period, is saying this. This time right now is the time no longer for mercy. This is the time for judgment. And God says, listen, he gives us a choice. Listen, do you want judgment, or do you want mercy you see for any one of us we could there's two paths we can take we can say lord i really want what these guys are getting over here or you can say you know what lord i don't want your wrath i don't want that for my life you see there's a way to avoid god's wrath and that's the fourth fill-in in your outline it says trust your eternity to jesus you can totally eliminate god's wrath in your life and upon you by trusting in jesus but instead of going over here to where it is done and God's pouring out his wrath on you, it could be poured out on himself. And you can enter freely into a forgiveness relationship with God. 
It can be completely avoided. Listen to what the Bible says. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him, through Jesus Christ? And the Bible also tells us this. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already, already been judged for not believing in, this, in God's one and only Son. Listen, I can't talk about God's wrath without telling you guys, giving you an opportunity to avoid it. God doesn't want this for you. He doesn't want it's done. He wants it's finished over here for each one of us. And God's going through great lengths to get people's attention. And he starts, in the beginning of Revelation, he starts turning up the heat. Starts turning up the heat. And they're like, people, some are coming and some aren't. Some are coming. And he's going right to the bitter end. He's saying, look at this is the final thing. Is this really what you want? I'm going to show you because I don't want you going there. And I don't want that for you. And he doesn't want that for you. And so he gave us this opportunity in Christ. The Bible says this. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as the day of the rebellion. Don't harden your heart. If you're listening now, don't be like these guys who, the, who when the heat got turned up, they just kept turning against God and yelling at him. Don't harden your heart. Listen, let's bow our heads right now, all of us. Listen, if you're out there and you're saying, you know what? I want the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy that God has given me. I don't want that judgment. Lord, I want to be with you forever in that time period in heaven, not standing against you then what I want to do is encourage you to say a prayer with me right now. Listen, it's, the prayer is nothing magical. It's just words. But it's your response. It's your heart that's saying these things. And I'm just going to say the words so it makes it easy for you. And we're just going to ask God to forgive us of our sins. If you want to do that, raise your hand right now. If you want to experience God's forgiveness, just raise your hand. God bless you guys. I see you on the, in the front, in the back, in the middle, all over. God bless you. Listen, all of us together, let's repeat these words. Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for pouring out your wrath on Jesus instead of me. Forgive me of my sins from this day. You are my God. And I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen.